Fucking hurry up. Hello and welcome to the Perth De La Prem podcast. This is your host, Mike, and this is Australia's most comprehensive and probably favourite football podcast, maybe the only one, I'm not too sure. But we're back for another live stream. Join us on uh, Twitch, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, get your comments in, let us know your thoughts. We're going to be talking about the World Cup, massive show, plenty to talk about um, already from Qatar. Um, today I'm joined by uh, Joshua Cappadini. How you going, mate? Hey, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. Um, joined by Gareth as well. How you going, Gareth? I'm good, mate. I've got six reasons to smile. Six reasons. Mate, six two, six for two. That's also two for six. That's usually when Joe Root's coming into bat for England, so he must be positive there. Um, all righty, boys. So like I said, massive show, live stream. I can already see some comments flying in on the chat, so that's good. We'll get to them in a bit. But I'm absolutely buzzing right now. Uh, the news that you know Pep Guardiola has extended for another two years as an option in there to break the contract uh, at the end of the 2024 season. But you know it's good news for me. Um, what do you think about that, Josh? Being a City fan yourself, mate. I mean, I'm I'm really happy about that. But I think as we've seen, contracts don't really mean a whole lot in football nowadays. So they say it's another two years, but we'll see. Um, hopefully he stays to win us a Champions League title. And then I reckon if he does, I reckon he's going to leave after that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, you say contracts obviously aren't everything in football and you're probably right for the most part. I don't think Pep Guardiola has ever not seen out a contract. So um, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, he fulfills this one because, I mean, I don't know about yourself and probably a lot of Premier League fans didn't expect him to probably stay for this long, um, you know, Set, at the moment, seven years, and he if he sees this one through, it's going to take him through to nine. So, you know, definitely got the best out of him. I don't think City are ever going to get rid of him. Um, Champions League thing, that's that's an interesting point, just purely because, you know, a lot of people say he's in there to win the Champions League, and you can make lots of arguments for that. Um, but what if he wins the Champions League this year? I think that idea is kind of redundant. I don't think he's going to up, up and pack his tools away at the end of this year. But, um, yeah, an interesting one. Gareth, what do you reckon, mate? Being a Liverpool fan, you know, another couple of years of uh, not competing with City because Pep's there with uh, the, the shake behind him. The Champions League curse will continue. Um, but <laughs> all jokes aside, it's, it's a fantastic signing, I think. You know, even though they've signed Haaland and look what Haaland's done, I think Pep Guardiola is the most important person at Manchester City. Um, I do I do probably talk a bit of smack about him, which is probably not justified. It's probably more out of jealousy than anything else. Um, for me, like, I'm not really shocked um, because where else can you go? Like, for me, City are the, probably the biggest club in the world. Yes, they haven't won a Champions League. If they do, there's no doubting that they're the biggest club in the world. I just don't really know where he's going to go from here because he's been at Bayern. He's been at Barca. I think he's... I don't know why he'd go to somewhere like PSG. So, yeah, for me, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that um, after he finishes up here, I I think he'll take a break and I could easily see him going into... uh, 
international management, possibly, whether it's Spain. I know a lot of English fans would love to have him, whether he, he takes that job on, I don't know. Maybe the type of person that he is, he, he's pretty meticulous. He, he loves the day-to-day stuff, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's no better place for him. And, and obviously, you know, it could be biased here, but it, I just don't think there's going to be a club that uh, in the world that's going to be able to give him what City can give him. You know, a lot of the other clubs, the Spanish clubs, fraught with politics, Italian clubs, same sort of thing. City, you know, it's all based around him. And the whole project right from 2008 um, was built around getting Pep Guardiola in one day. So now absolutely delighted. Um, don't think there's, you know, um, anyone else better to lead the team. I can see Joe here in the chat. He said, needs that financial backing. Well, mate, there's a reason why he manages the best teams. All right. Um, you know, we won the Net Spend Trophy this season. So uh, have that one. I'm pretty sure Joe's a Liverpool fan. He must be with this financial backing comment. So uh, we'll, we'll move on there quickly so we can get into the World Cup. Um, obviously, the other big news in the Premier League today, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. He's left Manchester United by mutual consent. Um, so they say mutual. I think he he kind of said, let's do the interview and uh, fuck that, I'm off. Um, and it looks like the Glazers are going to sell, which for me, that's bad news for Man City fans. Um, you know, I think that could be a good thing if they get the right buyer in because the Glazers is running the club into the ground, whether that's on the field or off the field. So, uh, Gareth, what do you reckon about that one, mate? Um, taking off my tinted glasses, I think it's good for the league. The Glazers have ruined that club. So as much as it's um, enjoyable watching Man United struggles in the last kind of decade since Sir Alex left, if imagine them competing on a similar level of obviously what City are doing and what Liverpool have done, adding another team it, and making it really competitive, um, I think would only help the league um, and make it even more interesting. Um, so I think that's good. The Ronaldo thing, it's just like... He just he just got what he wanted, didn't he? How many players could be sitting on the bench and then spit their dummy out, do an interview, and then get to leave and, and probably go and sign somewhere else? It'd be interesting to see if if that was kind of brought into it, if he can go and sign for someone straight away. I'm sure he'll be able to. Um, but, yeah, look, I don't really want to waste my time speaking about Cristiano Ronaldo too much. I've lost a lot of respect for him. Sorry to interrupt, mate, but where's he going to go? I, I just don't see a club that's really going to take him on. Um you know, speaking to Josh just before we came on, you've got like obviously the likes of PSG you could definitely afford that sort of money. I mean, I don't know why Ronaldo's worrying about money the way he is at the moment. He could live off sponsorship deals quite comfortably, I'm sure. Um, you know, obviously there's a whole Portugal thing, but then that could be financial. MLS is an option, is a marquee signing. Um, China possibly, but I don't think money's necessarily floating around there like it was a couple of years ago. I just don't know. Like he must have something lined up and his agent must have something lined up, but I just I don't know if you're a club who would really want him. I mean, I just I don't know where you, he kind of goes from here, and um, you know he's going to want a starting role. I don't think you know at his age, depending where he goes, he's going to be able to demand that unless he goes to one of the you know the leagues outside the big five. So um, either of you just want to chime in on that one, whether it's Josh or Gareth. Yeah, mate, I'll chime in on that. So I think. I think, look, he said before that he didn't want he wanted to go to somewhere that had Champions League football, which kind of does rule out all your Chinas, your Saudi Arabias, and your, all your MLSs and stuff like that. I think I, I think he missed a great opportunity to go to Sporting Lisbon at the start of this season when they were in the Champions League. I reckon he could have got them through to the round in 16 and had a good run there. I think now no one signs him that's 
really serious about winning the Champions League. I don't think, you know, okay, PSG makes, you know, outlandish sightings, but who does he replace? Mbappe, Neymar or Messi? Because at the moment it's none of them. So I think I think it'll be interesting. I think it might get, end up being based on how he performs for Portugal in this World Cup. I mean, other than that, he hasn't played since or hasn't played consistently since last season. So this is this World Cup's kind of like an audition for what could be his well, what should be his final club when he moves on for the for next year. Do you reckon he regrets not going to City? Possibly. I think. I mean, if he came to City, um, I think we dodged a bullet personally, but. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, looking back, City would have been the better choice, better choice for a lot of players. And, you know, with our striker problem last season, he would have been playing, you know, most games, if not all of them. Um, you know, uh, obviously the whole backlash with Man United fans would have been an issue, but... Go on, Josh. Yeah, look, I, I think we dodged a bullet as well. I have no regrets that he didn't come to City. I'm really glad that he didn't. Um, and, yeah, you're right. He would have started and he, we probably still would have won the league last season, so he would have had another title to his name and he would be playing Champions League football right now. And I don't think we would have seen him spit the dummy, but my question is, if we'd signed him, would we have still signed Haaland at the start of this year? And if we had, does Ronaldo still lose his starting spot anyway? Well, well, that's the thing, right? I, I, I don't know if that that's another thing because um, you know Harlan would have only come to City when he's guaranteed a, a starting um, role, I suppose, every week as well. Um, and you know, I think that's the reason why he came to City instead of going to Real Madrid because they had Benzema in front of him. So that's an interesting one. I, look, as I said, I'm glad he didn't come, but um, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, Joe's put in the chat here. He, he brings all the views and the fans. Um, obviously, commercially is a good thing. But maybe on the field, I just don't think you're really getting the best out of him. Um, and the no, that's 100 percent Manchester United's problem. They're picking yeah, everyone. No, they're I picking agree. their players based on commercially they're a good decision. Commercially, it'd be a good decision to bloody win something once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look at Jaden Sancho. You know, no one's even talking about him. He's a really talented player, and he's not even in the England squad right now. And he, sh- he should be in there based on talent. Um, you know, it's not worked out for him. But I wonder whether this would have all, all gone, you know, full circle and this would have happened to City anyway. Ronaldo would have, um, you know, spat his dummy, you know, threw his toys out the pram and, and kind of done a similar interview after Haaland's come in and just kicked him out because he's a much better player, which is fair enough. Um, Gareth, you got anything to add to that one, mate? Oz, I think we'll probably move on to the World Cup. No, not a lot, really. I think, you know... He needs to probably change the goalposts. He's not going to get one of these bigger teams. Um, yeah, PSG, you wouldn't take him. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know where he's going to go. Newcastle? Um, I, 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 I wouldn't take him if I was Newcastle. I would not take him, honestly. Um, I think they've, they've brought in that uh, Isaac, Isaac. I think yep. you, you stick with someone like him and you Callum Wilson. I know I know. I sound stupid. Obviously, Ronaldo's better than both of them, but... I just, I just don't see the value in bringing him. Yes, he's got the commercial stuff and stuff like that, but he's just, yeah, he's not good for the club. I don't think it's got to be, yeah, as you said, somewhere in the in the top five leagues. But I'm stumped to see where he's going to go. Maybe like somewhere in France or AC Milan, somewhere like that. I'm, I'm not too sure. Not AC Milan, not a chance. Keep him away. <laughs> Stick with Giroud every day of the week. Um, Jake's put in the chat. He's one of my mates. He's a big Newcastle fan since uh, 2022. Um, he said, no, Ronaldo, don't come to Newcastle. Um, 
yeah, look, I don't think that's really good long-term for their project. Obviously, it put them on a whole other platform commercially again, but it's whether they actually really need that. And obviously, with the investment, I think it's just better off to go a slow burn there. So, uh, boys, I think I think we'll move on to the uh, World Cup. I've got World Cup fever. You know, personally, leading up to the tournament, I was obviously excited um, to still watch some football. You know, I'm going to miss watching City play the next few weeks. But, um, you know, having watched the game, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, um, England obviously beat Iran. You know, uh, I'm not going to say France cruising past Australia because that was fucking horrible. Um, but, you know, I've got the World Cup fever. So uh, just for our listeners out there, maybe comment some of your favorite World Cup moments. I'm going to play the Perth Della Prem World Cup moments here in a second. So uh, while we're doing that, sit back, relax, and uh, give us some of your thoughts on, on these World Cup moments. We'll be talking about for Zidane. Why, oh, why... Would he do that in his final international as he gets the red card? And isn't that a shot? Zinedine Zidane walking by the world. Milne, Defoe, that's a lovely touch. Lampard! Brilliant! It was in, no! That surely crossed the line. It's not being given. It's begin. Here we go. The Netherlands in front. But Australia looking for a quick comeback. They've got it! Tim Cahill! Astonishing! of effort comes down maybe to this free kick. Pansel takes it. Boateng with a flick on. Is it handball? I think it's a handball. it's a red card. Must be a handball. Ronaldinho takes and David Seaman's call off his line and Brazil take the lead. Ronaldinho has scored. David Seaman is caught cold. A surprise. And still Grosso. He's done brilliantly. Play on, says the referee. For Kurtza! With touch, with finesse, and steered beyond Romero. And Germany are the champions of the world. Yeah, so some some big moments there. Um, obviously, some really pivotal ones. Uh, maybe some really unsportsmanlike ones. Luis Suarez, for example, with that handball. You know, he's um, not too shy from those sort of moments, biting Chiellini as well. Um, Josh, I'll ask you first, mate, what caught your eye there? Which, which one sort of, you know, stuck out in the mind and and obviously, you know, brought back some memories from the World Cup for you? Uh, look, mate, I didn't actually see the videos you put up because my computer is having uh, lag issues at the moment. But I think from a World Cup perspective, my, my, my biggest memory is a 2006 uh, World Cup Grand Final. And uh, mate, it would be... Pun? You rigged that. Australia rigged what? 2006. Yeah. Australia was robbed. Listen, Australia was robbed by not ro- knowing the rules. You don't lie down in the penalty box. 
It's 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 your business. If you want to lie on the penalty box, players are welcome to trip over you. That's your own dumb decision. He he came out and said, oh, "I exaggerated that." Yeah, he did. He tripped over a guy that he saw ten meters away because he was taking a nap in the penalty box. Get off your ass, stand up. Lucas Neal's quality. All right, continue on. Bloody Italian. Uh, 2006 World Cup final against France, and it'd be either, you know, the obvious, the Zidane headbutt, but also the Trezeguet miss for France in the penalty shootout. This was the first ever ga- soccer game I'd watched in its entirety. This was 2006, so I was quite young still, and I couldn't watch that last penalty. I had to close my eyes and just listen to hear if the shot had gone in. That's my all-time World Cup moment for me personally. Yeah, the ball's on Zidane to just go, fuck it, I'm going to headbutt Matarazzi there. <laughs> and he walks past the World Cup trophy. Um, yeah, and I think he's come out um, recently and said I, he'd rather die than take that headbutt back. So, uh, yeah, he does not give a shit with that one there. Um, how about you there, Gareth? Yeah, tricky one there because obviously um, being English, I think about a lot of World Cups and I think about a lot of disappointment. Um, so it was hard to kind of find a moment that I could actually think of. I was you know, thinking of, you know, Steven Gerrard scored a goal against the USA. I remember that, but it wasn't really a big moment. So I went for the Suarez um, handball just because of the pure controversy it caused, especially because it was Suarez as well. But I'm sure you... You would do the exact same thing. And it ended up working out really, really well. And obviously Uruguay went through. So, yeah, it's a horrible thing. And I know he's probably the most hated man by uh, so Ghana. But, you know, it's everyone would have done it. And then the other thing as well, um, obviously the Lampard goal, obviously it was, wasn't was good um, for England. But I think that helped um, coming in as well to goal line technology. I know the Beckham one, but the reason why I didn't say about Beckham was because that was the qualifier. It wasn't actually... It was in the work, part of the World Cup, but not the actual World Cup finals. It was in the qualifier. So I didn't mention the Beckham one. Um, but then the one that you saw of Juan Aldinho, so that was the first World Cup I, I watched as an England fan. I was six years old. And, and when that went in, I remember crying my eyes out uh, for probably the next 20 minutes. So that was a horrible memory, but still one of the memories that I had. Mate, what a player Ronaldinho was as well. Um, yeah, and then obviously the Lampard one, I think, you know, just looking at it, even just looking at it from that video footage, like you can tell that's clearly over the line. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's just no way you can even dispute that. And I just, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those ones where you wish for VAR. We've got VAR now, which we're going to touch on later. So I won't talk too much about it. Um, and, you know, decisions don't always go your way. So, yeah, some uh, memorable moments there. Um, cheers for the comments in the chat, guys, as well. That's always good. Um, so, yeah, obviously some big, big results um, at the moment, I think, I don't, I don't know the score, I haven't checked since since we came on, but when I was last looking, I think uh, Morocco was still nil-nil with Croatia, so that's a big, big result. I'd expect um, Croatia probably to, to get over him, but they do have an ageing squad. Um, obviously, Gareth, mate, uh, I'm sure you're fairly, fairly happy after the, the win to start the tournament. England, usually slow starters. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about that? You're getting ahead of, ahead of yourself like everyone else because I, I think England fans just need to take a chill pill. Calm down. It's only Iran. Yes, they're 20th in the world, but you're going to have much sterner challenges. Southgate, he probably won't play a four, you know, every every game, especially in the latter stages. So what are your thoughts? And do you think he's going to keep, um, he's going to stick to that system? Any changes you'd make? 
yeah, obviously, I'm really happy. I'm not getting ahead of myself. I seen something um, the other day that said, oh, you think we're going to get ahead of ourselves just because we beat Iran? You're absolutely right. And I think that's just the England uh, mentality uh, of all us English fans. You try and be positive, I think, as an England fan, because we've had so many years of hurt. But, you know, in years gone by, that Iran game probably would have been a tricky game. The fact that we've scored six goals, I know we let in two goals, but really they didn't really have a sniff. And I think their goals was only, you know, because we switched off a little bit at the back being 4-0 up and then a quite a silly um, penalty, which I didn't agree with, which we'll speak about later with VAR. So I'm very happy with it. I think um, I said on our TikTok with the player ratings, I think Southgate got the squad right. I was really happy with it to see that we're playing four at the back, obviously playing Bellingham because he could have quite easily played Phillips. I know Phillips has been injured, but he had such a good Euro. So I actually thought he might have gone with Phillips. So I was happy with that. And obviously Saka as well shown. Um, so he did well to score the two goals as well. So um, I was really happy with that. Um, will we keep the same or will we change? I'd like to think we'll keep the same. Obviously the Wales and USA game, I watched a little bit like that. Um USA looked like they ran around like headless chickens and Wales just didn't really know where they were coming or going. So I'm obviously not too worried about those two games. But you just don't know. Now you're looking at we've scored six goals. Do we need to go on and win both of them? I'd still like to think we'll try to, but knowing Southgate, will he go to a five at the back and and try and get like a Wales or um, a USA to break us down knowing that we can counterattack? So I think we will stick for the next two games. But if we go into like the next round. Once we draw a big team, I think we'll revert back to that five. If I'm an England fan, I'd probably want to go, even though you, you're you know, far superior to Wales, I think you'd probably want to go into that game not wanting to or not needing to have to get anything from it. Um, you know, on paper, you should beat these teams quite comfortably. But the USA, like you say, they may, may be run around like headless chooks, but I'll definitely apply the pressure. So it's definitely not going to be, you know, completely smooth sailing. But I think, you know, they look really good. Obviously, I watched the whole game as well. Or sorry, the first half. And Drew Bellingham, like, I just, I, that he's going to, you know, drive his price up at this World Cup. You know, he can do it all. He can go forward. He can get a bit deeper. Um, he can maybe even play number six in a pinch if you really had to for, for your club side. You know, he's just got it all. When 19 years old to show that maturity, you know, he's good in the air. Seeing like Steven Gerrard comparisons already. Um, maybe slightly different players, but he, he's definitely got that all-round midfield ability. And uh, yeah, there was a good good start for England. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly listen to Garrister player ratings here. Um, if you want to check out the, the player ratings on TikTok, you can watch it in four smaller segments. So here we are, Gareth from his car. Gareth here from the Perth De La Prem podcast here with my player ratings for England's emphatic 6-2 victory over Iran. Jordan Pickford, 5 not had much to do, um, letting a couple of goals though, so he'll be disappointed. Trippier, six. He was solid, but didn't do anything spectacular. John Stones, five. Typical John Stones performance. Looked like a Rolls Royce in possession, but a few lapses in concentration cost us a couple of goals. Slabad Maguire, uh, eight. When he pulls on an England shirt, he looks like Maldini. Uh, he was great going forward, great defensively as well. Little question asked on that first goal, but I think it was more John Stones not reacting. Uh, Shaw Butto, Carlos, another eight for me. Quality over set pieces, always dangerous going forward. Declan Rice, seven, good game. I thought he was our best player in the opening kind of 10, 15 minutes then dropped off a bit. Jude Bellingham, eight, quality, well taken goal. Looks like he's been in the England team for a number of years. Still can't believe that he's 19. Mason Mount, I mean, 
five. The only thing I can think of is that he's Gareth Southgate's biological son. I don't know how he still is picked in the team. Raheem Sterling, nine, looked sharp as ever, which is great to see. Took his goal brilliantly and got an assist. Harry Kane, eight, will be disappointed that he didn't score, but he set up two goals, and I thought his link-up play was absolutely fantastic. Saka, man of the match, 10, can't fault him, absolutely quality. Uh, was direct, ran at players, which is what you want to see. Uh, changes, Eric Dyer come on for Maguire, probably a five. Um, then we had uh, Callum Wilson come on, got an assist, didn't get injured, so you can have a seven. Grealish and Rashford, both eights, took their goals well. And finally, Phil Foden was a six. Um, Gareth Southgate, nine out of ten. Um, quality uh, performance from the lads. Um, great team selection and his changes obviously made a difference as well. And finally, VAR, zero out of ten. I'm not going to touch on it much because we're recording a podcast on Wednesday, so you can see my thoughts there. But what an absolute disgrace. Get in the bin. Oh, strong thoughts there by uh, by Gareth Crawley. And uh, we'll quickly listen to Southgate's uh, post-match very, very quickly. Scoreline a bit. We had, I think, 24 minutes of added time across the game. So it's a long time to focus. And um, But we just lost um, lost concentration. And when we play at a slower tempo, we, we're not anywhere near as effective. Looking at the positives then, a number of different goal scorers and not Harry Kane. We've spoken before about the burden needing to be taken off him. How positive is that for England? Yeah, we, we, um, look, we've got some good players and today they really delivered. The, our attacking players looked a threat throughout the game. I thought our, our defence in the first hour or so really controlled the game, controlled possession of the game and were patient with their build-up. Midfield were, were excellent, both Declan and Jude. And um, our forwards looked a threat and that's a... Uh, a great marker to put down. Yeah, first goal at a World Cup, first England goal for Jude Bellingham and two for Bukayo Saka. Just how pleased are you for them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. You know, it's uh, what, what I particularly liked was Jack Grealish's goal at the end where Callum Wilson's on. He could have been selfish, but he was really thinking of the team even at that moment. So, yeah, I'm a miserable so-and-so. I should be more, I should be, uh, more excited, but... You know, I've got to keep the team on the right track and we, we will have to be better. Yeah, so Southgate there kind of said uh, England have to be better. I definitely agree. Letting in two goals isn't great. Lapses in concentration, um, even though they were up in the game, it didn't cost them in the end. But, you know, getting into those latter stages. Um, Josh, uh, who did Italy play, mate? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I had him on mute there, so there wasn't too much swearing. Um, obviously, um, the hosts, Qatar, got absolutely battered. They are absolutely horrid. Um, obviously, they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the fact that they were hosting it. And they um, gave FIFA and Sepp Blatter, um, you know, millions of uh, brown envelopes. Um, and a Valencia actually got a stat for you boys. He's actually got the same amount. I hope I got this right. Same amount of World Cup goals as Lionel Messi. So, uh, prestigious company, former West Ham legend. Um, Josh, I'll get your thoughts in a second on Saudi Arabia. They obviously shocked Argentina. That's one of the best performances I've seen at the World Cup from a team who who haven't been expected to get a result. The minnows, but the energy, you know, the pressure they put on wasn't always perfect. And, and you could argue that, you know, 
VAR possibly saved them. Obviously, the rules, the rules are the rules. Um, but you know, still to come away with a two-one win, they absolutely outplayed Argentina. They smashed them in that second half. Yeah, look, that's the most goals I've ever seen disallowed for offside in, in, in a single game. Um, but um, I think, look, Saudi Arabia definitely deserved to win that game at the end of the day. You know, offside goals are offside goals, whether they're caught firsthand or caught by the VAR. Um, and you'd really expect Argentina to do better. I know I did. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk that, you know, they're too old and they're a bit past it. And this has all come up since... Since they've lost this game, I think it's. I think they've just caught, got caught out. I think they've, they've underestimated Saudi Arabia as competition, and they've not really come come to play when they really should have. And I think I think we'll see them bounce back for the remainder of this group stage. And I still think we'll see them go deep into this competition. Though I could be wrong, but I don't think they'll you know, win. They were, do you? I did. I don't, I don't necessarily think they'll win it anymore, but I did. Um, at the end of the day, I'm glad they lost because. You know, Italy had 37 games unbeaten, and so this means Argentina stop at 36. So for me, that's a positive. Yeah. I mean, I just think they've got an aging squad. Obviously, still got Di Maria in there. They've got, obviously, Messi, which, you know, age just seems to be a number with him. Um, but I'm just looking at the rest of the team. I mean, how how on earth is Otamendi still playing international football? That man was past it when he left City a few years ago. He's, he's horrible. Absolutely horrible. I'm so glad that he's gone. Um I mean, yeah, I just, I, obviously, there's that whole fairy tale, um, you know, with Messi winning the World Cup, his last World Cup. But I'm sorry, people, it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, I, they might prove me wrong. They might make me eat my words. I think, what was it, last time Spain lost their first group gain or something, 2014 or whatever it was, they went and won the thing. But, you know, that Spain team was something else. Um, and I don't think this Argentina team is, is definitely of that ilk. Um, what do you reckon, Gareth, about that? Uh, that? As I said, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen from a um, from a minnow nation, you could say. Yeah, I can't speak too much on the game because I missed the first kind of 65 minutes. Um, I watched towards the end. All they seemed to do, Argentina, was, all right, what are we going to do? Let's get it to Messi. Let's get it to Messi. Or it was just a cross into the box. And they don't really have the players to win headers in the box. So it was quite easy for Saudi Arabia to defend. I think there was that chance for Messi with the header. And then with uh, Julian Alvarez had a header as well. And both kind of went straight to the keeper. Um, yeah, they just they just looked like they didn't really have a plan B. All well and good when you're starting games, you're dominating, you're scoring a couple of goals early and playing well. But when you're not playing well and you, and you want to win World Cups, you need to be able to grind out results. And, yeah, it's quite worrying for Argentina there. Yeah. Uh, Ewan says in the chat here, he says, bring back Marcus Rojo. Mate, there's no way. I think I'd still prefer Otamendi over him. He's he's finished. He's passed it as well. Um, I don't know, either of you boys, do you reckon perhaps that they'll maybe a little bit unlucky? Um, you know, obviously, they, they I think they cut Saudi Arabia apart in that in that first half, even with the offside goals. But, I mean, I was watching it with my partner and even we were saying, like, how many times, um, like, it was just so obvious. Like, the balls were just, obviously, I don't know whether Saudi Arabia just set up with a high line or, or something like that, and that's something they've worked on. But, I mean, oh, it was just, the timing of the balls was just just horrible. So, I don't know if either of you wants to chime in on that, whether they're a little bit unlucky. I don't know about unlucky, but I think 
what Saudi Arabia did with the high line, I think other teams could look at as a bit of a blueprint to bring down Argentina. It seemed like that was their one move. And, yeah, it's effective when it works, but if the other team's managing to play you offside every single time, think of something else. Try something different. Run the ball forward if you have to. Not not continue to do the same thing to have the same result. And I think, you know, that's going to be something that Argentina have to look at. And if they can't change tactics a little bit for the next game, I think they might be in some trouble. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, it'd be interesting. Um, you know, Argentina's pretty intimidating. Like, I've got a team of gangsters, Otamendi with his tats, Rodrigo de Paul. Um, Nathan Williams here said, uh, what about Higuain? Mate, that man has no legs left at all. Um, again, that's the whole argument there about this team being a little bit too old, a little bit past it. Obviously, maybe in a little bit of a transition, but it's still heavily built around Messi as well. So, now nah, interesting. Obviously, great to see. And I think that's kind of what brought brought my World Cup fever back. Um, obviously, watching the England game as well. But it's just, it's just good to see. I mean, I said in the last podcast or the last live stream that you know, it's looking at the, the groups, it looks very black and white. It looks very simple to predict. But there's always teams that stand out. Um, that you sort of least expect. And I'm not saying Saudi Arabia is going to go through to knockout stages, but, you know, they definitely put up more of a fight than most would have expected. So um, just moving on with the results as well. Um, Australia, I don't know if I want to spend too much time on this, but I watched it. Okay, let's be honest. I was not expecting much. I can't believe I got up at three o'clock this morning to watch that, but I wasn't expecting much. But it was absolutely horrible. Like, honestly, football in Australia is 15 to 20 years behind the rest of the world. It's disgraceful. Like, the, the players are just not up to speed. I mean, yes, it's France, but I don't know, Josh. What do you, I don't know what you reckon, mate, but that, I don't know if you've seen any of it, but it was just, it was horrible. Like, every time, like, they had 10 men in the box, and, you know, what would happen is, you know, France whipping a ball, gets headed out, back out to someone, whip back in. It was just, it was just, oh, I don't even know. We shouldn't be in the World Cup. Yeah, mate, I agree. Um, look, i got to say, I've only seen the highlights, so just really the goals. Um, but I enjoyed watching it. Um, I've hated the Australian national team because I've heard 16 years of whinging about how we knocked them illegally out of the competition. So good, go. <laughs> um, look, at the end of the day, they're 20 years behind in international football because it all comes down to the, the national level and the, the league level. And basically at the league level, they've looked at the competitions around the world and gone, oh, yeah, I know that all works for everyone else, but we can do it better doing it differently and then can't understand why that's not working for them. So I think, you know, there's, yeah, definitely problems there and, and it's a real shame because I think, you know, th there's the love for football in Australia that if they could build on that, we could have a competitive national team that, yeah, okay, maybe not challenging for the World Cup, but at least getting out of the group stage on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing for me is probably the fact that, you know, we did have a reasonable team, you know, we got gypped by Italy, as we've already mentioned, hey. But, um, you know, that, that would have just really been a good point to sort of build on, I think, in, in the game in Australia. And like you say, the interest is there. It's massive over here now. Um, and it's just really disappointing to see it take so many steps backwards. I mean, Graham Arnold, he should just be a car salesman. He's, he's just, he's not a good manager. I don't care what anyone says. Ange Postacoglu is probably the best manager Australia's had. Um, and probably will, and he pointed out some of the issues um, and they kind of just refused to listen to him. And, and it all stems, yeah, right from the FFA and, and the grassroots level. But anyways, I'm sure if there's anyone listening internationally, they do not give an absolute shit about Australia. And I'm just going to move on from that one. Um, obviously, just another talking point to come out from the game there is 
Giroud, um, sorry, level with Thierry Henry. Um, so that's a pretty big, big achievement there. So, uh, Gareth, what are your thoughts on uh, Olivier Giroud? Because he's not the most glamorous player, but he, he seems to get the job done for France and he's a real presence and someone they can kind of aim at up there. And I suppose him and Griezmann um, sort of work really well together in tandem. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love Giroud. Just wherever he goes, he scores goals. And I just think, you look at the whole, you know, Ronaldo kind of situation and what he did. Giroud spent so much time. I know he's not on the same level as what Ronaldo is, but he spent so much time where he's been on the bench and he's been that second choice player. Uh, He's just such a model professional. Like, if I was to tell my son someone to look at as a footballer when he's older, I'd say someone like a Giroud. He just does it time and time again. And seeing he'd score two goals and knowing that France are probably going to go quite far in this tournament, he could be a cheeky little chance for the for the golden boot. He scores goals all the time. Um, and he's such a good footballer. Like, he's good on the ball. He's good in the air. Yeah, he's not, he's not massively quick, but I think he just knows where to be in the right time. So... And to, to match Henri's record, I know it's not a massive amount of goals, but just goes to show um, what a great international career he's had. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, it's just not all about pace sometimes as well. It's about having that smarts and those instincts. And and he's got that. And Josh, you'd, you'd probably know. I don't know how, how well he's doing facing him alarm. But, you know, he's, he's obviously probably been a good good presence in that, that dressing room as well. Um so, yeah, all right, just quickly moving on. So, one of the big talking points for me, probably so far, probably going back to the England game, um, I remember Gareth saying, holy shit to me when Saudi Arabia were playing Argentina. Um, VAR, um, concussion substitutions as well. Um, we'll start with the concussion because I think, you know, so much added time, uh, so much time being added on, rather, um, at this World Cup. And nobody's used to it, so everyone's kind of freaking out. Nobody seems to like change. But do, do you, I don't know, Gareth, do you reckon maybe that there should be, perhaps the player should be removed as quick as possible? Um, and what I mean by that is taken off the pitch, if they need to go on a stretcher, get them on a stretcher, take them off, assess them on the side of the pitch. And obviously a goalkeeper's a hard one, but chuck the substitute goalkeeper, goalkeeper on. He's not one of your subs, he's a temporary one. And then if it's found that the goalkeeper is concussed, um, and can't come back on, then that player is a permanent substitution. Because I just think it would just help the flow of the game so much. I just think it's ridiculous that they have to be on the pitch wasting so much time. It'd be so much easier just to get them off, take the time to assess the player, whether it's they set a limit. I know in the AFL they've got 20 minutes, I think it is concussion. Um, do something like that so the game can just continue on. Obviously, player welfare is important, but they can do that off the pitch. Yeah, I think where they've shot themselves in the foot is not so much... Um, so yeah, like, added time for like the goalkeeper, um, but they seem to be adding on time for absolutely everything. So that time with the goalkeeper, you even saw in the in the game in the second half, there was ten minutes of added time, which I just couldn't believe. I thought there might be four or five. So that confused me a lot. Um, I don't think the concu- you need the concussion substitute. How often is a goalkeeper going to get concussed? Not so much. The thing that frustrated me and if I was like in charge of Iran and, and looking down, I think the medical team did so poorly there because everyone knew he wasn't going to continue. You could see there was no chance he could to, uh, continue. What you need is for the medical team to say, yes, it's a World Cup. And look, he's probably only going to play three games in the World Cup because they're probably going to get knocked out. But he's clearly concussed. 
So you need to take the player's health into account and just say, you're not playing. He's going to turn around and say, I'm fine, I'm fine. You are medically trained. You just need to pull them off. I just don't get it. Like, straight away, you're going to know if someone's concussed, probably as as a medical professional, within two to three minutes. So you can take them off the pitch straight away, do your assessment that's two, even five minutes, and you know, and you make the call. They didn't want to make the call, which I think if that was a France or an England or a Brazil, I'd expect the medical team to turn around and say, nope, he's concussed, you need to make the substitution, and it's the medical um, it's the decision of the medical team, not the player, because the player's going to want to play every time. Absolutely agree with that one there. Um, yeah, I mean, even so, I, I just wonder whether that whole concussion sub thing would maybe alleviate that argument and they can go off the pitch and have time to assess. Because, yeah, looking at that Ar- Iranian goalkeeper, he was absolutely out of it. And, you know, you could see it in his eyes. He was he was gone. But like you say, it's ballless from the, from the medical staff. They didn't say, look, mate, no, it's, it's too bad. You're coming off. We're going to check you out. And that is what it is. Because at the end of the day, um, long-term player welfare is probably the most important thing. Obviously, like I say, big occasion, but there was no way he was going to be able to continue. He he was gone. Absolutely gone cold. Um, I see Jake in the chats put here, uh, Liverpool used to um, the ax- uh, added extra time. I think he's referring to the Newcastle game there. Well, um, as much as I'm a bit salty about that one, Jake, Nick Pope shouldn't have time wasted. So um, have that one. It's all right. You'll be ahead of Liverpool in a few years. Um all right, Josh, what do you reckon about the concussion substitutions and, and what's kind of gone on there? I think I have to agree with Gareth. I don't think this, the concussion substitution really is necessary. We don't get that many concussions in uh, football, so I don't think it's something we need to bring in. And, and can you imagine, okay, I know this is unlikely, but imagine this scenario, you know, keeper goes down with a suspected concussion, so he gets taken off for the 15 minutes. Substitute keeper comes on, lets a couple goals through because he's crap. And then it turns out the guy wasn't concussed in the first place. So that's a goal, maybe two, that have been let in that really didn't need to be. Um, at the end of the day, like Gareth was saying, the, the, the whole Iran problem was, you know, incompetent medical professionals. And I think that's a bigger issue than trying to bring in, not changing, we're not going to change, we shouldn't change the rules of the sport to accommodate people that can't do their job correctly. Yeah, I can see both sides to that argument. I just think player welfare should be first and foremost, especially with all the issues that are happening with players long term um, and having sort of medical issues due to the head knocks that they've um, sort of inflicted, whether that's heading the ball or, or whatever. But yeah, I think in that case, I mean, obviously there's some situations where it's a bit more 50-50, but in that case, yeah, the medical staff, they I'm sure they could have seen it. He, he just wasn't all there. So, um, yeah, an interesting one there. Um, VAR as well. Just want to quickly talk about that because I think, you know, obviously it's good, I think, that they're pulling up players to, um, you know, for, for holding in the box and giving away penalties and things like that. But I still think they're setting themselves up for a little bit of failure here because I think, uh, Gareth, you probably be able to tell me better, but was there one where Maguire was held in the box? Um, and that wasn't given. And that, for me, that's a stonewall penalty. And then there was one later in the game that was completely soft. Like it's still, I think it's good that they're pulling players up, um, but I just think they're setting themselves up for failure. It happened against City or City the other week against Brentford, where the ball wasn't in play, but John Stones got rugby tackled to the ground. Then he said, the referee said, "Oh, no, the ball wasn't in play." Things like that. I mean, I don't know. What do you reckon, Gareth? Do you think it's a good thing, um, or do you think you know? I don't know. Is it just a consistency thing again? Yeah, that's the thing. I think with VAR, you know, we thought it was going to come in and, and, and make the changes more consistent. And I don't think it does. So it's extremely frustrating. And you've still got this thing at the end of the game, people saying, 
oh, that should have been a penalty um, and that should have not been a penalty and stuff like that. Um, so it's really frustrating. The Harry Maguire one was the most clear penalty I've ever seen. Obviously, I'm an England fan and some people will disagree with me, but most people who I've spoken to who are England fans have agreed that it was a penalty. And anyone who disagreed, I'd say, go and watch the highlights of the England-Columbia game on YouTube. England get a penalty where they get rugby tackled to the ground. I think it might have been John Stones or Maguire there as well. And the penalty was given. The thing that's most frustrating is VAR did not even get checked. There wasn't even a VAR check. If there was a VAR check, there's just absolutely no way that would not be given a penalty. To then fast forward to the last, what, kick of the game, basically. John Stones has his shirt. He does grab his shirt. Look, I I, I didn't think it was a penalty, but, you know, if it was the other way around, I probably would have said, oh, yeah, probably a penalty. But if the Maguire one gets given and then the Iran one gets given as well, I go, all right, fair enough. Or if the Maguire one doesn't get given and then the Iran one doesn't get given, I go, fair enough. But just the fact that the Maguire one wasn't even checked, it's just an absolute joke. And if that was 2-1 England and then it was to draw or lose or if it was late down the tournament, you'd be ropeable. Like, I just don't want to go out the tournament from a terrible VAR decision, which I think is going to happen to someone. With most fans, I think that's probably the concern as well, going out from a silly decision like that. And like you say, the fact that they didn't even check it, I didn't know that, but the fact that they didn't even check it, it's disgraceful. I mean, I'm not an England fan. I don't I don't mind if they do well. I don't care if they do well. But, I mean, yeah, I don't they know. Might, this is the problem. The VAR team might, might have looked and gone not, but the fact that the referee couldn't come over and look, there's no way. You know, if you tell anyone, oh, go look at these two incidents, do you think they either both went to VAR or didn't? Everyone would say probably more that the Maguire one would have gone to VAR and the other one wouldn't because it, it wasn't really a clear and obvious error. He just slightly had his shirt. But, yeah, it just, it just baffles me. And just VAR is just crap. It, it really is. And I just – if England go out because they play terribly and, and they get beaten by someone 3-0 – so be it. But if England go out because of the terrible decision from VAR, it's just going to be heartbreaking. And I can see it happening. If not with England, it's going to be some other team. Nobody knows what a clear and obvious error is right now, though. I mean, it's been out for, what, two or three seasons now. I don't know what clear and obvious is because they check some things and there's some things that they should be checking like we've already seen here. Um, And it's just not good enough. And I think, obviously, people go, oh, well, VAR is brought in. It's going to change the game. Decisions are going to get more correct. But at the end of the day, it's still based off an opinion, based off somebody's interpretation of the rules. So I think this is where the problem lies. Obviously, in theory, it's one of those things. In theory, it sounds really good, um, but it's down to the implementation. I think it's been implemented better in other countries in, in terms of club football. I think England's a bit of a disgrace for that. But yeah, I, I think they've got it all wrong again. It, it's just it's just not good enough, really. Uh, Josh, what do you reckon about VAR? Look, I don't really have an issue with VAR, guys. I think... You know, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's definitely mistakes being made and stuff like that. The thing is, if you take away VAR, right, there are still teams that are going to end up getting knocked out or conceding goals and not getting penalties or getting penalties they shouldn't based on bad umpiring decisions. At the end of the day, VAR can't take out human error because it's not like VAR is some sort of computer. It's just videos being looked at by other umpires. So you can say that, yeah, okay, you know, England shouldn't consider that penalty. If that knocked them out, that would be really ag- aggravating and you'd be annoyed with VAR. But if the VAR wasn't there and the umpire made the same bad call, 
you'd be equally annoyed. You'd just be annoyed with the on-field umpire rather than some guy behind the screen. And that, to me, doesn't really make much of a difference. I think VAR helps them to not miss as many. It doesn't mean they're not going to miss any. It doesn't mean they're going to make all good decisions. You're not going to get better quality officials just because you've introduced VAR. And I think almost everyone attacking VAR is stopping everyone attacking from the fact that maybe we're hiring subpar officials that aren't checking things they should be checking or aren't looking at stuff the way they should be looking at it. And, I mean, you know, if you, you can't blame a system for the people, you can't blame a system for not working because the people that aren't that are using it aren't doing their jobs correctly. Fair points, fair points. Um, I think maybe that is probably one of the biggest issues. I, I mean, I'd love to see ex-players get in there um, if, if they had a thorough understanding of the rules. Because I'm sure there's plenty of ex-players out there who think they know know the rules, but perhaps don't quite know them properly. I mean, yeah, perhaps it is the people in there. I think that could be definitely one of the biggest issues. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. They've just got all the technology up there available to them. Plenty of camera angles. They can draw lines. They can do everything. And it's the fact that certain things don't get checked for me is just it's just quite baffling. Um so, yeah, I, th- I think it needs work and, and maybe perhaps it just needs a bit more development to, to sort of work and succeed because it can be a really useful tool. We've seen um, plenty of technology in other sports work really well. Um, obviously, goal line technology is one of the more successful ones. But for me, VAR is still, still not quite working to its full effect. But like you say, it's humans making decisions decision still for humans on the pitch. But what I would say, though, is I feel like referees are almost too scared to make decisions now because they kind of think VAR is going to bail them out. So, you know, they, they might not make a decision and hope VAR goes and decides that for them. So there's so many psychological things, whether that's subconscious as well. Um, but, yeah, I just think there's still a few, quite a few issues to iron out with VAR there. So um, I don't know if you boys have anything else to add on that one, but I did have something else to quickly talk about. Um just on the added time as well. I didn't talk about it before. Do you reckon it's a good thing or bad thing for, um, I suppose, the game? Because obviously I think the average play time is, what, 60 minutes. Um, and I think it would be good to get it up. But I'm wondering whether coaches like Pep and Klopp are going to be getting a bit frustrated when their players are playing, you know, 105-minute games instead of 90-minute games and, and with this conge- congested fixture list as well. So, um, Josh, what do you reckon first? I think it's a bad thing. I I think players are ending the game, you know, fatigued enough as it is. Um, you know, we've always seen international breaks like this cause injuries. I don't think we need to make the individual games any longer. Um, so no, I, I think I think it's definitely not a good thing. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know either. I mean, Michael's put here. So we've got Mikkel Simon Pienes, as Gareth likes to call him. He's usually on the podcast. He's um, he's putting the kids to bed right now. Um, he said 24 minutes for the England game. I mean, that's ridiculous, really. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, do was there something that happened? I mean, obviously, we had, had plenty of incidents. But do we really need 24 minutes of out of time? I think the Saudi Arabia game... Against Argentina, it was eight minutes, but then it ended up going out to something like 15 minutes. Um, Gareth, what do you reckon about the added time? Are they taking it a bit too far? Yeah, I, I think they are. And I was listening to another podcast um, today, and they were saying, I think across the, the three games, the England game, um, and then the Wales-USA uh, game, and then the other game on that night, there was 47 minutes of extra time across those three games, which is just ridiculous. And like, obviously, the England game, there was that, you know, the keeper of the concussion. 
fair enough, you can't change that. But as I said earlier, the 10 minutes at a time in the second half, it's just it just baffles me. And you think we're playing in they're playing in Qatar, where it is what, 37, 38 degrees, that probably feels like 50. It's just, you know, again, player welfare. Why would you bring it in in one of the hottest desert places in the world, in a World Cup which is literally jammed into all these massive fixtures? It just makes no sense and just adds to really the stupidness of a lot of these uh, decisions. And, you know, Klopp is going to do a Klopp thing and have a moan about it and Guardiola similar. But you know what? They probably have every right to because 24 extra minutes for these players is just absolutely ridiculous when they're playing so many games so regularly. Yep. So another one to uh, add to Klopp's excuse list. But no, no, no. I definitely agree. I mean, it's just nonsense. I mean, the referees as well. I think you, you mentioned this to me the other day, Gareth, privately. You know, the referees are just so intense. Like, they're just... I don't know what it is. They're just—it's like they're trying to stamp their authority in the game, act all macho and and all this sort of stuff. And just calm down, mate. Referee the game, control the game, do your job, get on with it. Don't need to overcomplicate it. And I just—I don't know. I mean, it's this has never happened in football before, so I don't know why we're seeing changes at such a big, big tournament. Um, so yeah, boys, I, um, we'll move on to the predictions. Anything else you wanted to add? Any players that caught your eye? Maybe anything else? We're, we're happy to move on. Oh, just one thing, Mason Mount. How does he start for England? I just don't get it. Like, I really don't. Like, I just, I don't know if you two agree, but I think he's the massively the weak link in our side. Foden should be starting over him. Whether he's got a niggle, I think maybe that was why. But Foden in that team is much Grealish, Grealish, when he came on, was just fantastic. He's number. He comes. I know he, he he starts he starts off a lot and comes off off the bench, but he just holds on to the ball so well. It'd be interesting to see him in like a in in the hole or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I don't know. There, it's got to be fitness. I'm I'm not too sure. Obviously, he's a talented player, but you've got better options there. I mean, even James Madison. I mean, he plays out wide a bit more for Leicester, but he can play that number ten role as well. Um, only he played too badly the other night. But if, if Gareth Southgate's going to be going with, um, you know, Mason Mount in the knockout stages and some of the bigger games, I'd, I'd be a bit concerned. And the only reason I can think that might happen is Foden's got an injury because he, he wasn't actually playing too much for City towards the back end um, before the break. And a lot of City fans are questioning it, but no one actually really knew what was going on there. So um, anything else from you, Josh, though? Anything else you want to add? Or we'll quickly move on to some predictions. Yeah, look, I agree about the, the uh, space. Mason Mount. Sorry, boys. Um, I think, yeah, James Madison's a good shout to be in that team. I think he does have a little knee niggle at the moment. That's why he's not, not played yet, although that's not to say that Southgate would have selected him anyway. I want to say the same thing about De Maria. I don't see how he's starting for Argentina at the moment. I think he is, you know, the pinnacle of too old and a little bit past it as far as Argentina is concerned, especially when you've got Angel Correa and Paolo Dybala sitting on the bench that could start in his place. Who are you taking, Di Maria or Mares, Josh? I know Mar- Mares doesn't play for Argentina, but I just want to get you wound up. Because I-, <laughs> I think they me. They're, the they're two players, similar players, and they're, they're both past it, I think. <laughs> Did you say Mares? Yeah, I take Mares over Demir at the moment. At the not not ever, but at the moment, I'd say Mares is still currently a little bit better than Demir. 
What the fuck? <laughs> I just love pressing these buttons. Um, alrighty. So, uh, any listeners still hanging about? Um, give us your thoughts on the predictions. So, there's only a few games left from the first uh, match day. We'll just stick to that, I think, boys, unless you want to go on to the other ones. But there's only a few games left. So, what I might do, actually, is I'll quickly read through the results. Kind of touched on them already, anyway. But I'll quickly read through it. So, we've got Ecuador beating Qatar 2-0. England, it's coming home. Uh, that was a terrible accident. I don't know what that was. Uh, 6-2. Um, and then we got Senegal, Netherlands. That was a fairly dull affair, I think, if, if you boys saw that. 2-0 to Netherlands. Um, USA, uh, 1-1 with Gareth Bales, Wales. That has a good ring to it. Um, Saudi Arabia obviously beat Argentina. Uh, Denmark and Tunisia, that's a big one because I wouldn't expect too much from Tunisia. And I think Australia's favourites to beat Tunisia. But after that shit show I saw last night, Absolutely no chance. I reckon now uh, Wabi Kazri, former Sunderland legends, putting six past us. Um, and then today, obviously, France beating Australia. Um, Mexico draw, drew with Poland um, and Croatia and Morocco. So a few nil-nil draws here. Um, what we'll do is the usual format that we, we've done previously, Gareth. So for Josh, pretty much we'll just I'll just um, read out the fixture. I'll say my result. So who you think is going to win or draw or whatever. Um, and then we'll just move to the next one. So there's only Germany and Japan, and there's only a couple of other games tomorrow. So we'll start with Germany and Japan. Gareth, Germany or Japan? I'm going Germany. Yeah, Germany as well. My my boy Musiala, I see is starting. So I, I, I might I might even watch the first half, but we'll see. Uh, okay, Josh? Yeah, definitely Germany. I think Germany comfortably, 3-4-0. Oh, okay. I think Japan might might give him a, a bit of a fight, but Germany will definitely get over him. I think Japan's got a few good players. Uh, Spain, Costa Rica. I mean, Costa Rica's not Costa Rica 2018. I'm going Spain. What about you, Gareth? Yeah, I think I predicted Spain not to get through the group, but now I look back on it and think that's quite an idiotic choice. So um, I'm going to go back on my word and say, uh, yeah, Spain, Spain will win that. Well, let's be honest. I don't know why Alvaro Morata is still starting for Spain. Uh, Josh? Am I allowed to go to the draw? I reckon the draw. draw. I reckon Costa Rica, nil-nil, 1-1 kind of draw. Mate, I don't even know a Costa Rican player. Oh, Joel Campbell's still floating about. Arsenal legend. Brian Ruiz, he still plays for him, doesn't he? Oh, yep. Yep. Um, Navas as well. Caleb Navas. Forgot about him. Packed him on my ultimate team. Michael wasn't happy about that. Um... Belgium, Canada, Belgium in the last chance saloon here for their 18th golden generation run. Uh, I'm going Belgium. Gareth? Yeah, Belgium 8-0, I think. 8-0. <laughs> Canada's got some decent players. So I'm not gonna, they're not going to win, but, um, well, you know. Alfonso Davies is out. I couldn't name you another Canadian player. Uh, Jonathan David. All right. Uh, <laughs> go on, Josh. I, I think Gareth is crazy. I think it's only going to be 6 0, surely. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no chance there, right? Eh? Uh, Switzerland, Cameroon. My boy Manuel Akanji. Jordan Shakiri still playing, Gareth. I'm going Switzerland win. What about you? Yeah, Switzerland win for me as well. Yep. Uh, Josh? I have to say Switzerland. If they don't win, it's bloody embarrassing for us, isn't it? Yeah, it's not good, mate. Um, all right, and then I think this is the last one before the game. Yep, last one. So, Uruguay or South Korea? I hope South Korea do them here after the Suarez thing. I don't know what it is, South. Um, you know, but I don't. I don't see them getting too much from the game. So, 
I'm going to go Uruguay. They're in transition a little bit, but I think they'll still have too much. Gareth, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think if Darwin Nunes and Luis Suarez um, had a child, it would be Michael Pines. So I'm going to go Uruguay. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Josh, lost my train of thought there. No, good, mate. And this isn't the last one. There's two more games. But uh, Uruguay, definitely, I think, as well, boys. Two more games. Who, who have uh, I missed? Uh, Portugal, oh, Ghana, Portugal, boys. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Ronaldo's men. Uh, I'm going to go Portugal. Just strength and depth. Ghana, I hope they do well. But um, no, I'm going Portugal. What about you, Gareth? Yeah, Portugal for me. All righty, Josh. Yeah, Portugal, depending on how much they try and rely on Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think that could be. Otherwise, Ghana's got a decent team. And I think they could... They could Cheeky get a draw here. Yeah. Is he going to start with all this, this sort of um, the fire or is it just because it's Cristiano Ronaldo he's going to start? I hope he doesn't. I think Portugal have a great team and could do really well if they don't make the mistake of trying to rely on the ageing Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, eh, I, don't, I don't have high hopes. They had a friendly the other day and he wasn't even in the squad. I don't know if it's because of this whole controversy, but they did they win 3 or 4 nil? He he was sick, I think. There was illness, but that, that could just be a cover-up. Yeah. Yeah. Ronaldo doesn't show up for friendlies, boys. He's too good for friendlies. You should know that by now. <laughs> He's not that type of player. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Bruno Fernandes at the double. Um, all right, and then the last one. So, my favourites, uh, Brazil versus uh, the big Serbians. I'm going Brazil, get it off to a winning start. Uh, Gareth, what about you? Yeah, I, I still... Still think Brazil. I just think they look, they look quality. But I did see that stat. I don't know if you boys have seen it of the team coming into the World Cup ranked number one in the world at the time. There doesn't have a good omen. I don't think anyone's gone past the quarterfinals. So that could be interesting. But I'm, I'm still back in Brazil. I think they've got so much flair going forward. As long as Richarlison doesn't get anywhere near the pitch, they'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that whole Everton Champions League bus thing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking the other day when I said Brazil were going to win. Still tipped them, but then it's yeah, the favorites just never seem to win, do they? Um what about you Josh? Yeah, hard to disagree with you on that one boys. I don't think I don't, I don't think Serbia are going to be the team to beat Brazil. Let's just say that. No, absolutely not. Um all right boys, so that brings uh an end to the predictions. Pretty much everything we wanted to talk about. Any final thoughts or Anything you're looking forward to in the next round? I'm personally looking forward to seeing how Argentina rebound. Hopefully, Australia can at least show something against Tunisia. Uh, England-USA will be a good game. Um, And yeah, anything else that we wanted to add? One more thing on Brazil actually just got me thinking. The last time I backed Brazil was in a World Cup game. Um, I was a little bit younger then, a little bit stupid, and I decided to chuck $250 on them to beat Germany. And yeah, that didn't really go to plan. So... And his first paycheck on uh, on Brazil when they let him down. Uh, Josh, anything yeah. else you want to add, mate? No, nah, mate, just that I'm really looking forward to watching uh, Rafael Leal play, see how he turns out for Portugal. Yeah, hopefully uh, Ronaldo doesn't kind of take the the sort of light away from him and the talent that he is. Um, looks like Gareth's about, just about ready for bed for our uh, massive three listeners. Um, so... Boys, we'll, we'll wrap that one up there. We'll probably be back next week, hopefully. Uh, Mike will be back with us after he puts the kids to bed. 
Um, as always, thanks for listening to the Perth Della Prem podcast. Thanks to everyone who chimed in in the chat. I really like doing the live stream because people can interact while we're doing it as we're speaking. Um, it's kind of unedited or anything like that. So as always, um, I'll upload it as a podcast form as well. So you can listen to that on your way to work because I know that's what you want to hear is just uh, our three voices here. Um, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, TikTok, YouTube, Apple Podcast, and in lots of other places. If uh, you like what you heard this last hour or so, give the Patreon play- page a check out. Um, it's in the description in the episode. Um, and yeah, it's just a dollar a month. So uh, thank you for listening. This has been Mike from the Perth Della Prem podcast, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>